Hello and welcome to my second six-day compilation series of Silence. Each day over the next six days, I'm bringing you the best of some 13 hours of raw honesty and vulnerability that happens on this show. Silence is a weekly podcast and conversation between women in science, technology, engineering and mathematics, or STEM. All of my guests are highly accomplished females, but most importantly, they're human, just like the rest of us. I deliberately keep their identities secret so that they have real freedom to share their experiences, wisdom and hope about surviving and thriving in what often feels like a very male-dominated world. So whatever it is you do with your own life, if you ever feel like you don't fit in or that you're in a minority in some way, you may find some inspiration here. Trust me, I was one of very few women in mechanical engineering for a number of years. I know the feeling. Have a listen to this collection of sound bites from some amazing trailblazers, and you might, just as I always do, get motivated to be the best version of yourself. Enjoy. Yeah, and I think it just all comes back to confidence and having the science to back it up, or, you know, if they're going to be paying attention to you, have them pay attention to you for the right reasons, um, you know, because your science is so great, um, and so you can use use it to your advantage, I guess. There is no weakness in being sensitive. There is no weakness in that at all. That is powerful too. And there's some truth to that, right? Because if you if you got on an airplane tonight and you saw the captain or the pilot of the plane sobbing in the cockpit, you might be worried about the next four hours of your life, you know, flying, right? And no, I never, I, I think maybe my parents were really good at just saying like, there's no limits and um, there's no limits to what you can do. I always felt, I always felt that. That's very, very true. And I think also if you have a successful father and you're a daughter, you do look at your mother because, you know, you, you kind of think, well, actually maybe men can succeed, but women can't. Um, and it, I think if you end up having an educated and successful mother like I did, it did make me think, you know, OK, I can do it. So I think self-deprecation and modesty is one thing, but self-disrespect, that's not OK. I mean, it's what I know. <laughs> I'm a scientist. I need the data to make decisions. Even dating, right? Like even with dating, you get the data and then you think you have enough data to make a decision and you either choose to make a decision or not. <laughs> So somewhere I had that kind of belief in in myself. I don't know where it came from, really. Maybe it was from reading books and um, uh, having the ability to, you know, have a different vision of myself combined with that meditation practice. Um, But definitely uh, I had no idea that I would end up being uh, uh, doing what I was doing now. I just maybe saw myself as, um, you know, being somewhat successful in life. I think I had that vision at some point um, when I hit my early 20s, but not at the level that I have been. Um, it's sometimes I kind of look and I go, wow, <laughs> when's it all going to fall apart? <laughs> yes, I, I think that um, I guess I was, as I say, relatively fortunate in that I I never really thought there was anything that odd. I mean, I knew I was one of the few girls that did maths or science, but I never really thought, 
you know, I never really thought it was particularly strange that I should do that. I mean, I was a little bit of an odd child anyway, I suppose, for various reasons. But um, it, it, it didn't worry me. I wasn't particularly good at history or languages. So, you know, for me, it was obvious to do the maths or the science. And uh, I, I was a little bit, I was a year younger than everybody else in my class. And that, that's kind of set me aside to begin with. Uh, because I was younger, I, I um, got into the school a year earlier, and I think that because I was already, as I say, slightly set aside, doing doing maths and science didn't didn't make much difference. There also is an element of serendipity to actually meet that partner as well, because I mean we can only engineer things to a certain extent, and the le- and the rest is really up to fate. I think. And so my father really gives that message that you know you are as capable as I am. And he says, but you have got more opportunity than I have, than I did, because he had to face immense racism and prejudice coming over in the 70s. And he said, you know, you live in a very different climate. And he said, so you need to go further. So he's very championing, which, you know, which I love. I love having a father like him. Yeah. And I think it's also important to, this took me a while to learn as well, where you know, to ask people that are actually more skilled in the areas that you're interested in to help you and to create this like team dynamic and collaboration instead of trying. I I had a problem for a long time where I tried to do everything myself. But I look at things differently. It's funny because even when I buy shoes, I look at them differently from my sister, who's more in the artistic world. And she looks at the aesthetics of the shoe and I'm looking at the engineering. I'm like, I love this shoe because, you know, the structure is so good and it fits and it feels yeah. and yeah. And she's like, but they're ugly. And I'm like, I don't see the ugliness. It's like, I see the beauty of the design. And I've definitely worked in less healthy atmospheres where I did have male um, bosses that would treat me horribly and say and do things that were completely inappropriate. But as someone that was like, starting out and um, wanting to prove myself, I would just like quietly do my work and, you know, discuss it um, with my coworkers sometimes with my female coworkers. And one of those instances, I actually, when I, when I finished that job, I really did not hold back in my exit interview, which I think is an important thing to do is to really give them feedback. And the person that was being not a great boss actually got taken out off of that project after I'd left. And I don't know if it was me helping or, if, you know, there were a lot of women feeling the same way. Um, but it felt good that there was like a change because I thought about he managed mostly women and he was just not a very, uh, he's not very skilled in communicating with women and he's not very appropriate in the way that he talked to women. Um, and it felt good that we kind of like band together or whatever happened for him to get taken off these projects. It felt very nice. Um, it was like a small little like, yay. When you form a relationship with someone, it shouldn't be about gender and the man should go to work and the woman. It should really be, well, who enjoys to stay at home? Who enjoys to work? You know, who wants to have a high powered career? Who doesn't? You know, it shouldn't be about gender. It should really be about, you know, about the, about a partnership, which is really who flourishes in which areas, and how are you going to divide the roles and responsibilities in a way that suits the temperaments of the two people in the partnership? But I was never caught up in um, 
I don't know, like popularity or, and I have friends across, across the board in all social circles, which I think actually maybe, maybe that's it is like having a lot of different kinds of people around you. And that helped me to not care as much about any one person, like what any one person thought. But I want to do that quiet stillness and then look for what, what am I, you know, because our brain is giving us all these signals and we feel discomfort about something or whatever. And we need to figure out what it is so we can solve that problem. And I think you have to find that way to just listen and be truthful to yourself. And then you can find authentic solutions. I think you find better solutions to your own life, but also to technology or problems. Or I always tried to be a good team player and, and be confident in front of them. I, I just felt like, I don't know, again, maybe this was something I learned, but I felt like that was a better way to go. Now, as I get older, I'm a little angrier about sexism in general, and I, I'm a little quicker to voice my opinion now that I'm older. Um, but that also feels okay. Like I, I feel more confident now than I did when I was younger. But but you're right. I always did. Um, I always went in strong. I guess I would say I always tried to go in like powerfully into those situations so that I. I mean the feeling that feeling of of feeling weak or trampled on that's a, not a good feeling. And. That's just crazy. And it, it's it's a waste because, you know, working with people and collaborating with people is exciting. I, I, I have to thank Maya Angelou. I quote her all the time because she says all these things. I did then what I knew how to do. And now that I know better, I do better. Mm-hmm. And it's very forgiving and it's very lovely. And it's okay, tomorrow then I'll know even better. So I'll do even better, you know? Yeah, yeah that's so self-compassionate. Yeah, and that's what we don't do. We're gentle to everyone, but not to ourselves. There's success. I'm driven by success, right? And how you measure that is different for everybody. But for me, I would measure that by having a having a measurable impact on the world. That's what I want to do. Um, so that's something that I'm pushing really hard for uh, and working really hard for it. I would say that that is my biggest driver right now. And then, I, and then also, I want to inspire my kids. Like the idea of that they could see a woman, a successful woman business owner who sort of doing doing things the way she wants to. I hope that this works because I would really like to set that example for my children. Um, you can't do anything in isolation. And, you know, like I said, I think what you're doing is amazing. And, and even as a, as a bit of a self... Um, a self-reflection tool it's really nice to talk to someone about what you've done in your life because you don't often sit down and actually have those conversations with people and when you do you think actually yeah, I have done quite a lot but you know pretty happy with it. I was very good at writing I love to write so introvert right you like to read you like to write but speaking is a whole different skill that I started to learn pretty late in life I think. So I guess now that we're allowed to study at university and, um, you know, obviously women have been allowed to study at university for quite a few decades now, but it didn't always start out that way. Um, and I feel that slowly it's caught up with the fact that it's not the woman who has to stay at home to be a housewife and for the man 
to have to earn all the money. And I think now we're getting generations where both parents are working and so children are growing up in an environment where they can see both parents as role models for people who can pursue pursue their career ambitions. So I think there's an element of that, of having role models or people who have already done the path that perhaps you're hoping to follow to some degree. I think there's also an increased awareness. Um, I imagine, you know, the women who have been through this have probably suffered the greatest brunt of people wanting women in the workplace undervalued and they've been able to find their voice to say well actually um, this is sexist and we do bring a lot to the table and I think that's what started the conversation um, like the one we're having. Because there's a lot of knee-jerk reaction with the men as well sometimes right when they see a woman as head of whatever they're like oh well you know maybe this is a company that's just doing this to get some quotas yeah. in and all that. Yeah right? yeah there's that immaturity there, right? So we just need to break those walls a little bit and say, hey, we are working this hard and we deserve this. Because they want to succeed. Some people want to succeed by tearing you down. And you got to be able to see that and say, no, this is not who I am. They may think so. but Because that becomes very toxic. Yeah. I think the response should, yeah, exactly. I think women should think really long and hard about what is it they want. And if, you know, that I think men have become a lot better, you know, in the last 20 years in the UK in terms of showing their burden. I think what was happening is there was a peak in divorce um, a couple of decades ago because what was happening is women couldn't cope with, you know, working the same hours as men, earning less than men. <laughs> um, they were also doing a higher share of work in terms of running the household and a higher share of work in terms of looking after the children. And as a consequence, the divorce rate soared. And I think the divorce rate is now reducing and it's probably because men actually are stepping up a bit. But I just, I still don't think it's even. I think they're doing a bit in the house and a bit for the children, but it's nowhere near even as yet. And I think until we have this gender pay gap solved, we have more women in senior positions and men are really doing an actual partnership with women, not sort of like 20%. They should be doing 50% um, until they've stepped up fully. It's not going to be a kind environment for women to flourish in. And then on top of that saying, oh, you should have it all. What about men having it all? What about men having a career and managing their marriage and raising their children? Why should women be the ones having it all? Why can't we change it and say, oh, men, you should have it all. I step up as a dad and step up in the house. Uh, because it's, it doesn't really have to be either or. Like, you, you know, I have now, at my company now, so I, I now have a two-year-old daughter, and at my company now we have a nursery. She comes into work. We have a nanny. And anyone at the studio that has a baby is welcome to bring their children in. It's like it, it can be part of the company culture, and it's really lovely to work like this, actually. In my younger days, I was very self-critical. 
it didn't matter that somebody else was scolding me, for example, like my mom or whoever, outside a teacher, whatever, because I would scold myself much worse. I was, you know, in a way, the inner voice in your head. And that voice was kind to others, but harsh to my own self. People are going to notice you so more. So make sure have some awesome science and tell them about it, <laughs> you know? So uh, it, it, it works out if, if it gets you to be able to, uh, to, to tell your research to more people or get more people to hear about your work. And then all you have to do is just have the awesome work to back it up and then you're all set. I get frustrated with myself often actually, because I do acquiesce to the, the men around me, right? Like, in that welding shop, I always, there was, there was a time in my life, I, I tried very hard not to do this anymore, but there was definitely a time in my life when I would play dumb and, and on construction sites all the time, you know, like, oh, wait, how do you detail, how do you detail this door? You know, how do these two things go together? Uh, I'm, I'm really at the moment where I, where I will speak up um, because how else are you going to earn like the respect or be in the place that you want to be? And, or maybe that's how you figure out that's not the atmosphere that you want to be in and you rethink your job um, and apply for something new. You know, these are all, I just don't think I have, I, I have all of these ideas. I ha I'm a very excited person. I don't want to spend time at a place where I don't feel 100% in tune with, um, with the people around me. I didn't ever think about or care about what other people thought of me, I think I would say. And that decision, the decision not to have kids is a, a liberating one. It extends the timeline for what you can do when in a way that no other decision in your life really can. Um, and it sort of makes it possible for you to, or a, compared to maybe other female friends of my acquaintance, I'm far more relaxed when it comes to finding the right partner it, it, at the right time um, than, you know, some of my other friends who really do want to start a family and, and to have kids naturally, um, you know, feel a little bit more pressured. Well, I think I would say that the first thing is that I really identified where I wanted to be working and what I wanted to be doing. So, so having that focus and then and then there was a balance between things that I know that I can speak knowledgeably on and things that I have to learn. So the people that were around me then, like the team I was working with, then I was able to develop this relationship where I was an expert in some things and they were expert in some things. And we were sharing knowledge in a way that was very productive. That's true. But, you know, the legislation, it doesn't help. I mean, it's, it's actually a really simple problem. Women fundamentally, the majority that I know, want to work, want to give back to society, want to have a, self, a sense of self, but they do not want to do it to the detriment of the neglect of their children. So what they really want is good quality childcare. The issue is that often once they've you know, paid their taxes and they're commuting, there's not much money left over for quality childcare. And so therein lies a problem. Now, of course, what the government should be doing, it should be completely tax deductible, not little niggly little vouchers here and there. Um, and it shouldn't be ta and it should be not even sort of, you know, ex accessible in terms of like, you know, rubbish, low quality, um, 
you know, nurseries, but really well-funded, high-quality nurses, uh, sorry, nurseries, um, and, and so forth, that allows women to be able to leave their children in confidence and go to work at the same time. And at the moment, whenever I've, I've had conversations with women who get pregnant, they just sit there, they get their calculator out, and they're like, right, if I go to work, my net salary is this. After I pay my you know, costs and so forth, I've got this much left over. After I pay the cost of a nanny, you know, it's sometimes it's just not commercially viable. And then they end up and then they end up thinking, oh, God, you know, then in that case, I just will stay at home. And then they and then their career is just put on hold. And then they go back after 10, 15 years. No confidence. Um completely behind in terms of you know sort of new technologies and the new way of working and they end up having to work for people that they used to manage or you know who were their interns um so you know women are just completely set up to fail and you know and so of course the birth rate is going to sort of plummet and then we're going to rely more upon immigration which then has its own social cohesion issues um, and it's like, well, why doesn't the government just wake up? I mean, we've got female as a prime minister, for God's sake. And just, you know, the government should be funding childcare for women, not little piddly little tax credits, really generous to enable women to be able to work. I mean, look at the Nordic societies. They've managed to do it and they've managed to do it well. And here, you know, we're just, um, it, it, it's, it's just not, you know, it's not doable for women unless you're really you know the shell sandbergs where you're earning millions and you can have real top level childcare. for other women it's like they've got to really drop their kids off to a place where you know the teach child ratios is, is you know um is, is just not attractive and appealing people never judged me i I was quite quiet when I was young, so they, they never realised quite how bright I was. That was, that was, for example, when the A-level results came out, they were shocked and said, oh, you know, you should have done this. And when the degree results came out, they were shocked and they said, oh, maybe you could do a PhD. You know, it's like, <laughs> because I, I guess in those days, perhaps I didn't have the confidence and, and therefore I didn't come across as particularly bright. I don't know what it was. Anyway, um, I remember... I. I had a boyfriend at the time and I said, well, I, I'm thinking about doing a PhD. And he kind of turned, he said to me, well, you do that. And, you know, I'm, I don't want you to do that. You know, you can't do that. You mustn't do that. You know, and I thought, well, sorry, that's it, mate. You know, because if you're not prepared to accept who I am and what I want to do, you know, it's not going to work, is it? So I don't think, you know, in a relationship, you can tell somebody else you shouldn't be doing that because then you're, you know, then you might have more qualifications than I have or this or that or the other. It doesn't work like that. So how do we how do we do this? And at the time I had a business partner and she also was pregnant, actually. So together we were like, OK, we, we want to keep doing this. How do we do it? And really, it was a matter of uh, having our family support really. Like my husband has been very supportive. Her husband was really supportive. So we were able to, without honestly, without them, we would not have been able to continue. So we were able to get through that year of having, of being pregnant and having a baby because of the support of our families. And, and now we're at the point where, you know, we're, we're, the business is actually breaking even and we're starting to have profit and that's a shift. Um, 
but the, those beginning years were not easy. And if we didn't have financial support from our families, we would not have been able to do this. I think it's difficult. I think it's difficult for women, um, especially in these fields and especially I feel like in tech, because um, you do find yourself in rooms where you're probably at the lowest ratio of diversity. You know, you're you're surrounded with men. And it's interesting because these things still happen, you know, before, I think before when I was not, um, when I was just starting out, I didn't notice things just because I was just like really looking forward to working through whatever I need to work through and prove myself and whatnot. But now after having enough experience and then still you're sometimes in a room and sometimes someone's like, what she meant to say is, and you're like, what? That's not what I meant to say. I meant to say what I said. Um, and actually speaking up about that um, is, uh, is I think, very important. When you look at their jobs, he's, he used to have artists coming to Apple because he wanted it to be aesthetically beautiful and his code had to be aesthetically beautiful, not just functional. And, and that's the value that you get from people coming from varied backgrounds at a later stage. That's the way I feel. I... I... And I, and I think I've been very lucky at, at difficult times in my life that I've had strong support from the people around me. And also not just in my department, but also males, as well, mainly males, actually, some females, but mainly males. Uh, but also in my um, community, my solar research community, uh, when I had difficult times, then people would listen, people would give me advice, people would say, no, 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 no you can't leave. No, you, we, we're not going to let you leave. You're going to carry on, you know. So I think that that, uh, that support has been crucial to me. So I, I don't think I have gone, you know, dead for this path and it's it's gone straight. It hasn't gone straight. But I've had an idea of what I wanted to do and, and where I wanted to go. And fortunately, I have managed to do it. I guess it's more than assertiveness. It's slightly being brave because nobody wants to feel vulnerable and nobody wants to show that vulnerability. But actually, I suppose um, it's funny. I I, I did I wrote an article once about um, the the problems of having a family and combining it with career and all the rest of it. And it was in quite a well-known journal. And uh, somebody said to me, well, that's the end of your career now, you know, <laughs> it's like finished, it's over. And I said, really? Uh, because nobody likes to show that vulnerability. And I think that we have to perhaps not be afraid of showing vulnerability, um, you know, in the right circumstances, uh, because actually we do need support and help. Um, and um, yeah, that's that's difficult, I think. So it is being slightly not not assertive it's more being brave and saying okay at the moment I need help who is the who can help me and there there was um it was very brave because younger PhD students and people were talking about their vulnerability in public perhaps for the first time and how they had dealt with mental health issues or other you know other things disabilities or or their um, sexual orientation. And it was very, very brave of them to do that, I think, because people tend to keep these things covered over and people can tend to try and cope with them all. And this can cause more problems because this can make you feel isolated or, you know, vulnerable. And I think it's that sense of actually realising that we are all human, you know, and that we, we do our work, we do our science, that's fantastic, but actually we're all human. So there are certain 
vulnerabilities as well, and we have to deal with those. Well, because if you if you go to the same sources, like when I started where I work currently, I looked around and, at, for instance, in one of my teams, I am the only female, and I also lead the team, which comes with mixed. It's kind of a mixed bag. Um, and sometimes I'm listened to, sometimes I'm not, and I'm not trying to be a demagogue in any way or kind of, but I'm questioned a lot. And it's interesting because that dynamic, I think, didn't happen when there was a male leading the same team. Kind of like the Heidi Howard thing that, um, that study that came, I think it was Columbia, um, that came out that Sheryl Sandberg references in Lean In, you know, where they took the executive profile of, of a leader and, to one group of students, they named him Howard and all the students said, oh, he'd, he'd be a great guy to work with. And then when they changed the gender and the name to Heidi, oh, I don't know that I could work for someone like her. She seems aggressive. And it was the same description, you know, and I personally, I felt that and I was broken hearted. You know, I, I remember calling my aunt and saying, they called me, you know, they're calling me all these names. And she goes, congratulations. <laughs> and then about a week later, a week later, I got a, a, a copy of The Art of War, a new translation of it in the mail from her. And it was just go get them, you know, <laughs> and and I realized yeah. Yeah, I just can't like get stopped by that. And eventually it changed, do you know? Um, but it's it's there for sure. In my view, everybody is equally valid. You know, whatever choice you decide to make, that is a good choice. You know, it's it's your choice, and people have to find their own way. But nobody should be told you can't do that. You can't you can't have children. You can't do this because that just, uh, in my mind, is is wrong. You know, you're saying that in order to be successful, you have to be like me, and and that's not the way it is. There is no one. There is no one model. I, I was always interested in translating that language to everyone. I, I do believe that we all have the capacity to kind of understand a baseline of of most things that people think or that are deemed complicated. I think everyone can kind of get to a point where they feel like they understand it. And those moments are so exciting, you know, when you explain something to someone and they're like, "Wait, I get it," and you're like, "Yes, awesome." I love this. This is my favorite feeling. It's hard. Like, I don't often get to express myself like this. It feels pretty amazing, actually. That's all for today. Please do subscribe, rate and review the show. I'd love to have your feedback. Thanks for listening and catch you tomorrow for more from the Best of Silence.